Welcome to Ben's Bible Podcast. I'm Ben Burkhart, your host, and on this podcast, we share refreshing and faith-building biblical truths. I hope you'll plan to join us on a regular basis. God bless you, and let's jump in to this week's episode. Welcome to the podcast. Ben Burkhart here. I'm so glad you're joining back, and this week's message is part two of Titus chapter one. This week, we're going to get into more of the text from verse 6 and moving forward in Titus chapter 1, and we'll be looking at some pretty incredible Bible characteristics for the choice of a minister or bishop, but also notice that these characteristics are characteristics of Christian maturity, characteristics of Christ, and these are things that, that God wants to see in our lives. So, Let's learn together from Titus chapter 1 and see what God has for us. How does God want us to live, and how will the Lord transform our characters if we surrender all to him day by day? Well, let's find out. Before we jump into the lesson, let's say a brief word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for your wonderful love and blessings, and thank you again for the opportunity to dig deeper in your word. We pray that your Holy Spirit will guide us and give us true understanding of the words of life as we read and study here together from the book of Titus, chapter 1. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, So you see in the Bible you have prophets and you have prophetesses. Uh, You have, you know, you have wives, (laughs) wives of ministers. And in fact, the Bible here mentions that the wife and her character is important too. When you're choosing a leader, not only the husband, but how will the wife represent Jesus to the congregation when their family becomes a leadership family in the faith community? That's very important. So not only is this talked about here in Titus, but if you go back and read the letters to Timothy, like Timothy, uh, the first Timothy and second Timothy, if you go back and read those, then you will find the same principles expounded about the the man who is chosen to be leader, and also his family and their characteristics. Now, let's take a look at the rest of verse 6 here. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children not accused of right or unruly. Now, the fact that the children are faithful shows us that this husband is also doing something right in the leadership of his family, that his children are learning to follow the right way. And that is important because if a man cannot lead his own household in the right direction, how can he lead the church of God in the right direction? So these are characteristics that the Apostle Paul mentions here in Titus, but he also mentions them in Timothy. Very important to look at the home and the leadership there and the characteristics there when you are choosing a leader of a faith community. These things are very essential, very practical too, just looking at the life and the fruits of the life. That is important. They will tell a great story more than just the words, and the words should be able to back up what the life actions are, and the life actions should back up what the words are. So they really go together as a package. The Bible says, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. So you're looking for a godly family when you make this decision of a faith community leader. Verse 7 says, For a bishop must be blameless. Now, bishop is the overseer 
of the church. Today, a pastor essentially has this role of a bishop or even a an elder or head elder of a church. These people have a role of oversight in the church, and that is very important. So it says the bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry. So not just serving self, not self-willed. We've talked about that a little bit already. A leader, a godly leader, is a servant leader looking for how they can serve others, how they can help others, not how they can serve themselves. Jesus said, the Son of Man came not into the world to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So we have this idea of servant leadership, of giving, not of demanding service, but of giving for the sake of others. So it says, not self-willed, not soon angry. In other words, we need to be patient. We need to be long-suffering. We need to learn how to have our, our temper under control. Yes, things can upset us. They can make us angry. But we don't want to be soon angry. We'll, we want to have patience from Jesus Christ and pray that the Holy Spirit will give us that fruit of patience as we see in Galatians 5, and 23. It says here also, not given to wine. So, not somebody who goes around drinking, especially alcoholic beverages, not giving, not given to wine. You don't want somebody who's a wino being a leader in your church. And then it says, no striker, not given to filthy lucre. So you're not striking up fights and things like that. You're not cantankerous. And you're not given to filthy lucre, which means chasing after money and greedy. Okay, a leader in God's faith community or church should not be greedy and chasing after money because it's not about money. If you're chasing after money, you're going to end up serving the wrong God and leading people astray and hurting a lot of people. If money is your God, then the rest of your values are going to be compromised because you're serving some other kind of God than the actual God. And you can be sure that people will be stepped on in the process of such worship and service. So, not given to filthy lucre. Verse 8, but a lover of hospitality. Okay, somebody who loves to give, somebody who loves to serve. These are characteristics of a godly leader that we need to have. A lover of hospitality. How can I help others? It says also, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate. So somebody who loves a good man, loves a good person, when they see somebody who does right, they say, yes, that's right, that's great. And when they see somebody who does wrong, they say, no, that's not right. So you want somebody who praises righteousness and looks for godly qualities in others, not somebody who exalts folly, somebody who admires evil and corruption. That obviously shows you that there's corruption in their own heart if they love evil men. But you want somebody who loves good men, who's looking for other good men who want to serve God. This is essential. Also, the Bible says here that they need to be sober, sober-minded, realizing the times in which we're living that there's an enemy, the devil, who's trying to destroy us. So we don't want to follow the devil. We want to follow God. And that sobriety needs to be there. That life's not just a party, a playtime, but the world is at war. 
okay? Evil is going on in the world. Jesus is coming soon. We have to recognize that and live with those realities and order our lives according to those realities. The Bible also says this man should be just, holy, temperate. So just. You love justice. You want to do what is right, and you want to honor what is right. You want to follow God. You have a relationship with God. You spend time with God every day, morning and evening, throughout the day. You seek to be in God's presence because God is holy, and he says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. So do we live a life of godliness, a life of godly love, a life of, of holiness? This is godly righteousness. So we want somebody who is seeking after God and experiencing holiness, experiencing transformation in their lives. It says here temperate. Okay, the temperate man. <laughs> you want to be temperate in all things if you're heading for mastery. You want to be able to be in control. And intemperance is not good. And this could be in a lot of things. If it's overwork or not taking care of your sleep and health or um, all kinds of situations where you could be, maybe you're a glutton. You know, you're not able to control your appetites. So being temperate, you need to have some kind of self-control. You need to have, and the Bible says that God gives us self-control. Read Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. One of the fruits that's mentioned there is self-control or temperance. God wants us to be temperate in what we do, what we eat and drink, and every other area. Have balance in your life. Have self-control because this is important for leaders. People are looking at you. How do you live your life? How do you order your life? Does it inspire others to live for a higher calling? Does it inspire others? So the Bible tells us that leaders must be temperate. Verse 9, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Okay, so there is a work to do for spiritual leaders to teach and to exhort. Exhorting is basically counseling and teaching and to convince the gainsayers, people who come at you with a different view, people who come at you with, with false teachings and they're trying to, to best you somehow. He says, look, as a spiritual leader, you need to be able to overcome that. You need to understand sound doctrine, sound teaching. The word doctrine means teaching. So sound biblical teaching. You must understand that. And the Bible says here, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught. In other words, hold on to the Bible, the word of God. Be well versed in scripture. This is essential for leadership and essential for Christian growth and stability. For Christian maturity, you must be a student of the Bible, a student of the scriptures. This is absolutely essential. God is calling us to experience that and to be that. So a leader needs to be selected as one who definitely knows the Bible, who knows the Word of God well and is a student of the Scriptures, continuing to learn every day, continuing to improve the knowledge every day. 
And it says that he may be able by sound doctrine. So if you're a real diligent student of the scriptures, then you will have the ability and the knowledge, you'll have sound doctrine to be able to correct and exhort and help other people and to convince gainsayers. You'll be able to help people get on the right track and the right way of thinking. This is super important for a spiritual leader. If you don't have a good handle on the Word of God, go back to studying. Keep learning. Keep learning. Keep learning. Because as a leader in the spiritual community, you will be expected to teach the biblical teachings. When Jesus walked this earth, he taught. When Jesus sent out his disciples, they taught. He said, go and teach the world the good news. Go and teach them the gospel. Teach them how to obey all that I've commanded you. I mean, this is in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. It's there. Jesus teaches us to go out and teach the truth. Uh, What we learn, what we receive, we must share, we must give. So God is calling us to study these truths out prayerfully, to learn them, and to go and share them. Spiritual leaders in the faith community must have this knowledge and ability. It tells us now in verse 10, and this is kind of transferring into some specific case study of people who are gainsaying and were gainsaying in the early church, who were teaching false things. This is a, an example that's given. So let's, let's notice what kinds of things you might have to deal with in the faith community. Verse 10, for there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. Now, that's quite a thought. Here in the early church, you have a lot of Gentile believers and Christians who are believing in the Lord and coming to faith. And then the Apostle Paul says, watch out, because a lot of people from the circumcision, that is, who are raised in Judaism, are coming in with false teachings. They're coming in with negative or bad ideas. They're coming in with bad habits. And unfortunately, they, even though they have this advantage of growing up with the gospel truth, they are spreading perversity. They are spreading false teachings. They are coming in with this arrogancy about them, with this attitude about them, and with a false knowledge of who God is, that they've grown up learning things and twisting things and learning wrong things, and they practice evil habits, even though they have this tradition of knowledge and the Bible, and they're coming in teaching perversity in the churches and even corrupting the newfound faith of the Gentiles. Paul warns the believers and says, look, this is serious. These guys are on the wrong track. And you don't need to be on the wrong track. You need to be on the right track. So the leaders of the Christian faith and of the churches had to be able to withstand these false teachings and bad influences of folks coming over in the name of Judaism saying, look, I'm circumcised. I grew up in this faith. I know the way it is. You guys are all wrong. Now listen to me. See, they're coming in with a hard head and they're teaching false things to the church, and they're leading people astray, and the, the godly leaders of the church would have to be able to stand up against these kinds of false teachers coming into the church, teaching perverse things. So godly leaders have to, they have to have <clears throat> grit, okay? They have to have 
they have to have some kind of backbone so that they can withstand those false teachers. This is very, very important. They have to have the knowledge of biblical truth to be able to withstand them. So, many unruly and vain talkers. A lot of people are talking foolishly these days also. They're coming into churches, they're talking this and that, they say, well, I know the Bible, and this is what it's all about, but they're teaching corrupt things, and a mature, seasoned, biblical Christian, especially a Christian leader, needs to be able to meet that and stop it in its tracks. Many unruly and vain talkers and even deceivers, they're telling untruths, they're telling lies, they're deceiving. They need to be stopped. It says, especially they have the circumcision. Now today, you never know where this is going to come from, but people will come in talking foolish things. Verse 11, whose mouths must be stopped. So, is it appropriate for a Christian leader to tell others not to not to talk in the church, not to speak up and spread their heresies and all this kinds of stuff in the church. Is it appropriate for Christian leaders to do so? Absolutely. Christian leaders must be able to help the mouths be stopped that are speaking evil. It says, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. Have you ever wondered about the Bible? What does it really mean? While some things are simple to understand, other things are not as easy. Questions like, how will Jesus come? What will the end of the world really be like? What happens when we die? And is there really a hellfire where the devil roasts people for endless ages? How can I find personal peace in my life? And if God is love, why is the world so evil? These are very important questions, and the Bible has clear answers to all of those questions. To begin your Bible study journey, please visit woosda.com. That's W-O-O-S-D-A.com. So here you have people, they're actually coming and teaching for money, but they're teaching false things. And the Bible says here that their mouths must be stopped and they are subverting whole houses by teaching things which they should not teach. So is there a danger of false teachings coming into the Christian church? Was there a danger of false teachings coming into the early Christian church? Absolutely. There was a danger, and there was a warning about it. And today, we need to have the same warning about it. We don't want false teachings coming in that are not biblical. Any teaching that we have should be coming from the Bible. We should make sure that it is biblical. We should test every idea, every thought, every opinion by the Scriptures. And if we are wrong then may the Lord correct us. May the Bible correct us if we are wrong on something. So the Bible says here that the mouths of these persons must be stopped. Why? Because they are subverting entire households. They are misleading people from the, the faith of Christ and from the church. They're coming in, and they're coming in with the devil's agenda. They're coming in to lead people astray and to talk foolish things planting evil in their hearts, breaking up and dividing the Christian churches, picking off believers and households and leading them this way and that way. This is extremely dangerous. The Apostle Paul warns about this in Acts chapter 20. He speaks about, from verse 28 to 30, he speaks about people coming in, not sparing the flock, 
tearing things apart, and he tells how the leaders of the faith need to feed the church of God with the word of God, feed them with the truth so that they can withstand these evil workers and false teachers. Today, we need the truth of the Bible more than ever. We need the truth of the Bible, which will help us to be sound in faith, to have sound doctrine and teaching, so that when people come opening their mouths, teaching things which they ought not, we'll be able to say, that's enough. We don't want any more of that around here. You have to protect the beliefs and the faith of the believers. You have to. I mean, a shepherd is supposed to watch out for the sheep and wolves come in among the sheep and all kinds of things, dangerous, toxic weeds and whatever else. A leader of the faith community has to look out for these dangers which exist and protect the believers from false teachings. The mouths of these false teachers must be stopped, and the Bible is very clear about that. Some of these people are teaching for the sake of money and personal gain as well. Very dangerous. Verse 12 says, One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. Okay, <laughs> that's not good. Now, where is Titus? Titus is in Crete. He was left there to appoint leaders. That's very important. But what was one of the things that these people had said? Now, in this case, this is very specific to the area in which Titus was laboring. Here were some of these Jewish persons coming in, saying things that they should not say. And it says, for example, Paul's citing, it says, one of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. So, is it good to go around cursing the people of the community in your church? To go around calling them evil beasts and slow bellies and always liars, that every one of them is a terrible liar? Is it good to go around, um, you know, slandering all the people around us? No, it's not good. And these people come in spreading hate speech. Now, we have to be careful because sometimes people will call truth hate speech. <laughs> um, sharing biblical truth is important, but remember to share biblical truth in a loving way. And of course, in the world, we're going to expect that there's sin going on. We're going to expect that people are not following God's way. That's why it's the world and not the church. <laughs> we're going to expect that things will be happening out there that are not of God. Okay, so we can recognize, yep, that's not of God. But also recognize that many of these people do not even know a better way. They don't know the love of Jesus. They don't know the transforming grace of Christ in their lives yet. So how do you approach them? Well, approach them with love. Approach them with kindness and mercy. How did Jesus approach people who were in adultery and sin? He approached them with kindness. He approached them with love. He approached them with mercy and forgiveness. So instead of just standing up on a soapbox and cursing these people who are living out in the world and living a life of sin, which you would expect, instead of doing that, why not show them Christ's love? Why not show them a better way? Show them that Jesus cares. 
show them that Jesus loves them. Show them that Jesus died for them. This is important. So instead of just slandering people, think about how to love people. Think about how to help people, how to teach and how to guide, how to have an influence with people. Think about that instead of just cursing them. Because uh, cursing people to their face and coming out that way and just having this attitude of arrogancy and better than everyone else, having that kind of attitude wins no one. Jesus was meek and lowly. Jesus was holy and you knew it. But he was also kind in his way of speaking with others. And as a Christian in the church, as a believer in Jesus Christ, we need to follow the example of Jesus and his love, of Jesus and his meekness, and seek to help people who are in need. Yes, there's a lot of people in this world who are broken, who are hurting, who are living in sin, and they don't really know a better way. So now how are you going to help them? Are you going to spread God's love, or are you going to come with an axe and a sword and be cursing people? All right, follow Jesus, don't follow the counterfeit. Don't follow the false example here because um, the Apostle Paul clearly marks out to Titus that these religious people from Judaism were coming in and they were teaching false things in the name of Christ. So be sure that today people will come teaching false things in the name of Christ and exhibiting a bad attitude in a bad manner, cursing others. God doesn't want us to do that. So come with love, not cursing. So the Bible says here that they were saying, the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true, wherefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. Now it's interesting, some Bible scholars have actually suggested that the witness being true um, was was confirming the speech of these people about the Cretans. Okay, they're always liars, evil beasts, and slow bellies. Obviously, the Apostle Paul is not confirming that speech. Okay, he's saying that speech is a bad thing. What is true? Well, the, the thing that's true is the witness about these false teachers. That is what is true. Sure, the people in Crete, <clears throat> you'll find liars. Yep, that's a sin. You'll find people doing evil, that's for sure. You'll find people with slow bellies or, or gluttony or whatever it is. Maybe people who don't have guts to do something. You're going to find that in a lot of places. Are you supposed to go around slandering people and hitting people over the head because they're going down a wrong path? No. Go in love and go with the truth to share and help people find a better way through Jesus. So the witness is what Paul is saying. His witness is true about what these other people are doing. And then he says in the same verse, verse 13, Wherefore rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith. Who are we to rebuke here? Not go and rebuke the Cretans for these certain characteristics, but go and rebuke these evil talkers in the church who are saying things that are wrong who are misleading entire households. The leaders of God's church had to be able to rebuke and put in check that kind of evil talking and behavior in the church. God is calling us to live a life of purity, of love, and of holiness. And the Bible says, Wherefore rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith. In other words, 
call them back to holiness. Say, look, this is wrong. What you're saying is not of Christ. We need to learn of Christ a better way. The world needs a better way, and we need a better way. These false teachers need a better way. So let them be taught and rebuked. Let them know that their behavior and their communication is wrong, and it will not be allowed or permitted in the church. And their mouths must be stopped, as verse 11 says. Um, They need to learn to live sound in the faith, as verse 13 tells us. Now let's look at verse 14. Not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. All right, so Jewish fables coming with the name of Judaism, coming with the name of biblical history, They're coming with a a name that is pretty much trusted, but unfortunately, they are way off. (laughs) They are way off. So they have all kinds of fables, Jewish fables, in the religious community. Now, do we have Christian fables in the Christian community today? I believe we do. I believe there are many false teachings and false things out there that we need to avoid as Christian believers and as leaders. So not giving heed. Don't pay any attention to those Jewish fables. Don't waste your time. And also it says, and commandments of men. Did they teach a lot of commandments of men? Oh, yes. Look at Jesus correcting a lot of the false teachings and beliefs of these people who were following traditions of men instead of the commandments of God. Jesus wants us to follow him, to follow God's commandments. Jesus had to rebuke the leaders of the Jewish nation many times. He had to teach them how to keep God's commandments. He taught them about the Sabbath, how it was a special time, a blessed time of joy in God, a time of rest and relief, a time of blessing, not a time of burden. Mark 2, 27 and 28, Jesus points out very clearly that the Sabbath was made as a blessing to all mankind. So you have to look at the false teachings that were circulating in Judaism and how Jesus sought to correct these things and how those false teachings actually led people away from God and from God's commandments. The same dangers exist today for the churches. We have to watch out for those false teachings coming with a religious guise, coming in the name of Christ, and yet they are false. So, do not give heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men. In other words, commandments of men were circling in the churches in opposition to the actual commandments of God. It says that turn from the truth. So, these false teachings and theories and, and ways and customs, they all would lead people away from the truth of the Bible. So let's not fall into that, into the fables within the faith, but let's come to the truth. Intentionally, we have to come to the truth as it is in the Bible, as it is in Jesus. Come to the truth, intentionally search it out, learn it, because if you don't, you will be swept away by all of these fables within the Christian world today you will be swept away. So go back to the Bible and get your truth from the Bible. Don't get it from popular sayings and lore and whatever else that's circling around in the churches. I hope this is making sense today because it's very practical and very helpful for us. Get your truth from the Bible. Amen. Let's go back and read the Bible itself. So now verse 15 and then 16, and we're going to be finishing up our lesson today. Verse 15 says, Unto the pure all things are pure, 
But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. Are there reprobates in the faith today, reprobates in the church today who claim to be followers of Jesus but are following something different? Oh yes, you can be sure of that, that you will see this today. People, unfortunately, following the wrong way. And you know what? Pray for everyone. Pray for these folks. If you find people that you know are misrepresenting Jesus, pray for them and pray for yourself, lest you also be tempted. Galatians 6.1. Pray for yourself as well. Okay? Pray and seek a better way in Jesus. Now, verse 15 again says, Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. Have you ever heard the saying, it takes one to know one? <laughs> Sometimes you have these people that are just living corrupt lives, and they're throwing out the accusations about everyone else who's all wrong. They're all wrong, wrong, wrong. And yet, it all comes back to what is wrong in their own heart. And because it's wrong in their own heart, then suddenly everyone else is wrong. And to the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled, everyone is defiled. So they're living a life of sin, and because they think evilly and they do evilly, then suddenly everyone else thinks evilly and does evilly. Right, are we getting the picture here? That people are simply following an evil way, and, and they're seeing evil in others because they know that their own way is bad. So suddenly everyone's a suspect. If they know they can't trust themselves, then they're pretty sure they can't trust anybody else. This happens a lot. And the, the Apostle Paul is warning us about it here. He says, to the pure, all things are pure. So if you have a pure heart, praise God. In fact, let's pray for a pure heart because Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Matthew 5, Beatitudes. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And it says, to those who are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled because they know they have done wrong. Their mind is defiled, their conscience is defiled, and so they cannot judge rightly. And then everybody else is a suspect and guilty. And <clears throat> yeah, you don't want to go there. Verse 16, the last verse, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him. This is important because a lot of people will say, as the Bible mentions, that you confess Jesus with your mouth and that you're saved and that you're transformed. And so some people leave it there and they say, look, I confess Jesus with my mouth and so I must be a Christian even if I live like the devil. Now, wait a second here. If you live like the devil, you can be sure Christ is not in your heart. Jesus said, that you must be born again, John 3. And you follow the Spirit. You follow the Holy Spirit, not the flesh. You'll be led by the Spirit. You must be born again. There needs to be fruit of a new life. There needs to be evidence of a new life in Christ. The Bible says that any man who's in Christ is a new creature. Behold, all things are become new. We must be a new creature. The fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, should be evident in our lives. It's not merely about a profession, although it is important to profess our faith 
and confess our faith. Yes, we must, but there needs to be a substance to that faith. It needs to be transformative. Our lives should be changed because Jesus should be living in our hearts, giving us a new heart, giving us a new life, that the old things are now old and part of the past, and new things are what we're all about. We're about the holy things in Christ. We're seeking God and godliness. We're turning away from evil, repenting of evil. So the Bible says here that they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him. Their works do not match their faith. And the Bible says faith without works is dead. Well, I don't want to have a dead faith. I want to have a living faith. How about you? I want to have a living faith. And that's what we see in James, and that's what we see here in Titus, and we see throughout the Bible that a living faith is a transformative faith. A living faith has Christ living in us. A living faith is a journey to God. It's a journey to holiness. It's a transformative journey that God is leading us to live a life that will glorify him. And the way that we live in our life, practically speaking, the works that are done, back up the faith and show that Jesus Christ really is living in our hearts, that we really do know the love of God. Let's not be like these false teachers and persons and kind of uh, bad examples who profess that they know God. They say, yeah, we know God. But in fact, they don't because the Bible says in works they deny him. With their mouth, they say one thing, but in their lives, in their works, they say a completely different thing. And you've all heard it. Actions speak louder than words. So it's not merely a profession, but it's a transformation and the works of our life need to match the faith because faith will drive our works, true faith. It says here they are, they are being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. They have turned the wrong way. We don't want to be a part of that. We don't want to follow that way. We say, Lord Jesus, save me today. Lord Jesus, transform my heart today. Lord God, change me and make me a new creature let me be born again today. Let me be led by the Holy Spirit today. And every day, may that be renewed. And let's come to Jesus every day. Let's come to God on our knees and pray that God will lead us. Don't leave too early. Don't rush your prayer time. Spend time with God. Don't rush away before you receive the blessing. Make sure that you wrestle with God in prayer. Make sure that you spend time in the Bible seeking to understand it prayerfully every day because this will transform our lives. This time that we spend with Jesus every day will have a lasting effect upon our lives. We need that experience with God today. I want that experience. How about you? We'll have a deeper experience with God through his word, through following Jesus. May it be so. May it be so in our lives today. Let's pray together as we close. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your love and blessings. Thank you for your mercies. Thank you for your goodness in Jesus Christ. Lord, we want to be transformed by you. We want to be led by you and used by you. As we see here in Titus in chapter 1, we see, Lord, that you are calling us to an experience of holiness and transformation. You're calling us, Lord, to be godly Christians and godly leaders and to help inspire and train up and find and appoint other leaders 
who can help the church to grow. And Lord, you want us to watch out for the counterfeits, for the the false representations out there, and for the false teachings and false examples that would come into our churches and false attitudes even. Lord, we don't want the evil, but we know evil is coming to us. And so we pray for your Holy Spirit to be in our hearts. Lord, we pray that you will transform us and that you'll help others around us to be transformed, to see Jesus, to know Jesus, and to become a true follower of Jesus, and not a professed but fake follower, but to be a true follower of Jesus. Lord, may it be so in our own hearts and lives so that we can also help to point others to Jesus so they can experience the same. Lord, please protect our churches and help us. May godly leaders be appointed in our faith communities and our churches. And may these godly leaders raise up other godly leaders to serve you. Lord, we just pray that it will be so. And please use us in your service. Cleanse our hearts and our minds from all sin and from all evil. Lord, may you guide us in the way of righteousness and help us daily to spend time connecting with you so that we can truly be growing Christians. Lord, we thank you for this and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, my friend. Uh, For all of our listeners today, I'm so glad you joined. I hope you enjoyed the program. Again, if you have any feedback, you can go to seminarsbyben.com and visit the Uh, just visit the communication page there. You can send me a note. Let me know if you like studying through these books of the Bible like Titus and if you have any thoughts. So thanks for listening today. Hope you enjoy it. And if you were blessed by this lesson, share with a friend. Let somebody else know about it. Let them have a listen and hopefully uh, they can be benefiting from the Word of God too. So thank you so much and God bless you. I look forward to seeing you in the next lesson. We'll be looking at Titus chapter 2. Blessings. Thanks for joining us for this podcast. It's been great having you as a listener. May God richly bless your day. I look forward to having you join me for the next podcast. Blessings and take care.